Hey man, what's up? How you doing? Howdy. What's yes. going on? Welcome to, it's kind of episode one, isn't it? Because the first one was more of like a trailer. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. A little more of a meta conversation than a conversation. Yeah. Actually, last time after we stopped filming, we had like a really good conversation afterwards. We kind of went on for a few hours, right? So we're, we're filming one just between me and Skid this time. Um, Ryder was meant to be yeah. here, but he's asleep. So hello, Ryder. And uh, he'll be listening to this tomorrow on Spotify, I think. Um, but he can join the next one. We were talking about some really right. interesting stuff over the call. Do you want to go on? Do you, should we talk about that, or you want to? What do you want to jump into? Um, hmm. I'm, I'm I'm kind of forgetting what we were talking about. Was that was that like uh, was that religion? Was that was that the topic? No, no, about the U.S. and Mexico. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was this too round? Yeah, I think it's. No, I mean I don't like. Was I don't know. I'm. I'm a very, I'm an everyman when it comes to this kind of stuff, but I feel like it wouldn't be unreasonable for the U.S. to invade Mexico and, like, you know, and, like, fight off the cartels in, like, the next, like, decade. To me, that doesn't seem crazy. No, that is so interesting. Now, to a lot of people watching, especially in Europe, they're going to they're gonna be a bit surprised by that, but I think if you follow U.S. politics especially with their foreign policies. I This doesn't surprise me too much as a potential reality for the future. I don't know if this, have, has there been any like sci-fi or like fiction about this? I'm sure there is. Um, no, but we, are, we we did have war with them already, so it would not be the first time. Oh, that's true. Uh, the Mexican-American war, so yeah. It would be, I think we might have had two, so this would this would just be uh, another sequel. Yeah, I looked into but, No, I mean, like, do you know the history of California? Have you seen, have you, like if there's, I watched this video on YouTube, it was explaining why on pretty much every map that's like from hundreds of years ago, they always show California as an island. Do you know about this? No. It's so weird. And it basically like, um, they were mapping the United States, right? Um, and North America. And they believed in this route. So they're trying to find this route where you like go around Canada and um, sort of loop back to Europe. And they, they believed in this route and they were mapping the coastline of, of, the, of the US. Um, and the guy on the ship, so the Spanish ship, right? He's reading this book. It's like this, this book from a Spanish uh, author about this magical land called California, which is like ruled by these, um, these women. So it's like the women, it's like a, what's it called when women rule a society? It's called a matriarchy, right? Uh yeah, I was thinking Amazonian, but but yeah, matriarchy. Yeah, yeah, Amazon. It's like an Amazonian matriarchy place, and like everything is made of gold, and it's like this magical island called California. So when they discovered um, the 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 coast in in the U.S. and they found what today is California, they called it California because they were reading this like fiction, this book. Um, but the problem was is that California wasn't an island. And they reported back that it wasn't an island. There was this guy on the ship that kept insisting it was an island because he was such a big fan of uh, the fiction and he loved it so much. And oh, nice. He wanted to be like famous as like the guy that discovered California. So he basically made this entire fiction and then went back to Europe and said, oh yeah, California's a real place. There's this island where it's a total matriarchy. All the women are super hot. Everything's made out of gold. It's amazing. And he was like, had the California dream, like the first California dream. And he said it was California. Oh, he wasn't totally wrong. I mean, the women are very attractive in California. Really? Is that not the record? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, you have to enlighten me. Hundred percent. Oh, well, you just got to go. I mean, it's it is known. It is known. It's uh, yeah. it's a beautiful place with beautiful people. I've always, I've, assumed, I've always assumed it's for plastic surgery. No, I think it's the sun. I I don't want people hate on California because yeah, it has a lot of problems and it's it's a pretty messed up place. But it is also one of the most beautiful places in the world. And I think the people get a lot of hate because yeah, it is it is superficial. It is a bit toxic. But there's a there is like a really nice undercurrent of uh, California, and I think people who maybe I'm just speaking for nostalgic because I went along when I was a child, but I I think there's a lot of charm, and yeah, and the people are stunning. I think I think what it is is the hottest people from their states come to California. I think that's like uh, I think there's a migration that happens. You see, I have this theory because when people say to me where the most attractive women in the world are, I always say the United States because any girl from around the world can become a u.s citizen you know what i mean it's sort of like the somehow the hot girls are gonna you know float up to the top or something like that like but you think you think that's true you think lots of them end up in los angeles um yeah i, I mean i don't know we're, we're talking like percentages and demographics probably not it's not very significant but definitely like a lot of aspiring yeah. you know actresses and and whatnot will make their way up but same for new york same for probably any major city i think that's just um i don't know there's some sort of sorting algorithm and um yeah i also generally like if you're super attractive like you know you can you cash that in more if there's uh if you're in a more populated area i think that's like not a crazy idea yeah I love California because it has this ability to sort of generate dreams and sort of like, even though that you hear lots of bad things about California and Los Angeles, there's still just like this dream of Cal the California dream or California women, this sort of this thing that's lasted so long. Um, but I'm going to have to go because I've never been. So I'm going to have to see it for myself. But I, I, I think California um, and some of the cities there like have names derived from the, the war of Mexico. That's why I was bringing it up. Um, I can't remember which ones, but there's there's so much Spanish culture going into Mexico. Do you think that there's a a potential that like California could become independent and more Spanish? Uh, no. Um, I I'm not a I'm not a believer in the whole states seceding. I just don't think it's gonna happen. But I mean, no. But yeah, like I mean, there is a lot of Spanish influence there for sure. Like especially in the food, in the culture. Um, it also depends, right? Because, like, you know, San Diego is so different from LA, so different from, like, you know, even, I don't know, Baker's, Bakersfield. Wait, what is the place called? Bakersfield? I don't even remember. I have a friend from there. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, it's, like, a, it's a big state, and there's definitely very, 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 like, different, um, yeah, there's a big gradient, you know, in terms of what you're going to get. But, yeah, definitely a lot of Spanish influence, especially in the food, which, is, which I love. Uh, but no, I, I do not see it uh, seceding and joining Mexico or seceding and becoming its own country. I, I think maybe like for Europeans, it seems more reasonable. It's like, I mean, you guys technically just seceded, right? In a way. Oh, yeah, in but, England, yeah. But, UK. Yeah, but, but I, I, I think for the United States, it's just, it's not going to happen. There's just really no shot. Yeah, it's one of those things that if you let one go, 
like the whole thing can become crumbling like which is kind of what we're what's kind of happening a little bit in europe because the uk left the european union and i think a lot of people in the european union were suddenly like oh is it our time to leave you know or is it our time to sort of bond together and i don't think the united states could survive something like that where just one of the states just casually leaves it would be a really weird situation especially california that's so important to the us at least in terms of culture um it's yeah a, but, but, I, I, but i feel like it's, it's not comparable i mean I, I don't think there's ever a unified europe under like a single vision language culture like it's just it, it, it's it's like I, I, I think it's like the eu is more similar to like i don't know the united nations than it is to like the united states yeah i feel you know i've i mean from my perspective i agree but i think that that's a perspective that um they have in the european union is that they want to make something like the United States, but the United States of Europe. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's possible. At least in the long run, I don't think it's going to maintain. But uh, that's kind of the ideology that they're pushing for. Um, at least in the small political spheres, who believe in it, they kind of feel that Europe will somehow manage as like a, you know, a powerhouse on its own. Um, but it's it's never going to gel like the United States does. The culture is way more similar there. But my, my question is like, so let's say there's a war in Mexico, right? So there's a war going on. How do you think like California or like, or even New Mexico and some of the closer states will sort of mesh in that environment? Like, I think that would be quite interesting. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, I think that it'd probably end up similar to like, you know, what, what, like what Poland is now, just like a, uh, like a, like a, what what is it more like a like a like a sort of the station before right like where all the equipment goes where everyone's like where all the preparation is done sort of just like um like on the I I don't know I'm more you not finding the right word you you mean more like um like Belarus is sort of like this state which uh you know Russia's using well no no because no, no, no. I, I mean the opposite. I mean, like for the the way we are aiding Ukraine is through, you know, their 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 their, their neighbors like Poland and stuff and Finland, and like these are places I could supply and go in and out. Because um, like I guess I should I should say this: if 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 there's a war with Mexico, I don't think it's we invade them country to country. We're fighting their military. No, I think it would be like joint cooperation where it'd be us and you know some portion of the Mexican government. You know, fighting cartels. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, that's just that's just my pie in the sky. You know, um, yeah, fantasy idea or whatever. But it's or not fantasy. I shouldn't say it like that. But you know, it just in it's no basis in like facts or, or history or whatever. It's just more of a feeling. But you see, I but, think yeah, that's just where I'm at. What would be way funnier is a war with Canada. That would be a really funny one. Um, because you get the UK like supporting Canada, I think, um, because, because of a connection. But that did happen like um, like 150, 200 years ago. But no one really knows about this war too much. You know about this one? I forgot what it's called. Uh, yeah, you get War of 1812. You guys burnt down the White House. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, but you ran away like you guys do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was you guys and... Uh, and like uh, some Native American tribes or something, maybe some Germans. But um, yeah, I think I would say we won. I mean, we built it back. 
So we're good. I think the, the like the thing we've seen in Ukraine is like so weird because it it is a war like you're explaining like something like war of United States and Mexico. It really is like a war with a neighbor, um, which we don't really see that often in the world. I think the the more common wars are like you know like Cold War sort of like uh, maneuvering and resources and stuff like that. What's the kind of perspective for you right now of China? Like, um, I mean, I, for me, it's like I don't know. Everyone is has got so many varying opinions on this so what's going to happen what's your what's your view um i mean i think it, it's i don't know who said it but it seems like we're all sleepwalking towards a cliff um yeah but like do i have any predictions on how everything's going to shake out not really um I think it's an ultra weird one because like whenever I've seen documentaries of like what's happening in China, like culturally um, or politically, it's very hard to understand as an outsider. It's um, probably just as a, just as confusing for someone in, you know, China to try and understand what's going on in the US. So I think that the, the conversation is really hard to even predict because you've got such a complicated situation in China internally as well as in the US, and then you've got the geopolitical things between them. So it's very hard to, to know what's going on, but I think we're almost in a state where if a politician or a media source that's like high-ranking enough tells us that something's important, like they tell us that yes, it's the invasion of Taiwan is going to kick off World War Three. it's sort of like we all start saying that and believing it just because that's what we're kind of told about the narrative. But in actual fact, I don't think anyone really knows what's going to happen. It's um, it's almost too much to understand, you know. Uh yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, but I feel like, you know, whenever whenever's happening, right? Let's say ninety percent of this conflict is going to happen behind the scenes. So, like, we're gonna, you know, like, we're either gonna see the failures or the success of like these these hidden figures and organizations and and not and probably never know the whys so like that's always how i think about these things where it's just like these these players are too advanced right whatever we see is what they're like sort of letting us see or maybe just a, a small glimpse but where the real negotiations and competitions are probably happening um in, in so many different areas but just you know, it's it's so it's so yeah, like you said, it's so complex that it's just um trying to make any like real predictions um about where we're gonna be in the next like decade uh is probably foolish. Um but but yeah, but I guess like um the the interesting thing is right, like people are saying that long term, you know, China has the advantage. Eventually their GDP is going to um, get to a stage where they are just producing more than the U.S. Uh, even if, like per capita, they are they're, they're, they're you know uh, in gross, they will be have a bigger economy than we have, and so on. And and therefore, their influence will spread, and they'll eventually become the world superpower. And then you have people on the other side saying that they have a declining popul like a, like declining young population, where people you know where there's going to be more old people, less young people, and so long term, they're at a disadvantage. Um. So it's interesting to hear both these opinions and wonder, like, you know, if things stay the same, if there's an escalation, 
who ends up consolidating and who ends up losing power, all other things being equal. And I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah, I think as well, this is so much about allies as well, like about who can sort of muster what resources. Um, I saw recently that like India is becoming such a big player in this because they're so close to China. And it's similar how, you know, Ukraine is fighting Russia um, with US money, but the US forces are not actually there, at least any official capacity. In a similar way that India could launch an invasion of China or, you know, have some sort of like, you know, wars in, on the ground and the US doesn't actually have to get involved. Um, or the, you know, NATO is probably more accurately to say NATO doesn't have to get involved. Um, same with Mongolia, sort of like creating relations there and sort of trying to strangle China from all angles. So I kind of see that we've kind of forced China and Russia into a corner. And it seems that like their joint collaboration is almost inevitable because, you know, it, when you really strangle the enemy, if you want to call it the enemy, um, but the enemy, what's this, uh, what's it called? Uh, the enemy of my enemy becomes my friend, something like that. Um, yeah. I don't know. I kind of disagree with your, um, characterization of mm -hmm. strangling. You know, why is it, why is it strangling to like support a sovereign nation against like, you know, a larger aggressor? Um, I like, and why is it necessary? Like why, why does China need to control Taiwan? Right. Besides cultural and political reasons, like economically why do they need that and the same with russia why why economically do they need ukraine or for security reasons why do they need ukraine uh, like these are never threats ukraine was never a threat to russia taiwan is never going to be a threat to to china um so like stopping other countries from expanding into sovereign territory it's not i don't see that as strangling i see that as kind of being the good guy um but maybe you have a different uh thought i think um I mean, if you start cutting off, um, let's say you make like trade alliances with every single country apart from one, you know, you're sort of like economically cutting them off um, to, to some degree. Um, so that's one way you can do it. You can also just do a sheer military force just by making alliances like around it. Um, one really clear example is at least from China's side of how China is doing this is um, they're built, at least I was told this, I don't know if how true this is, but I was told they're actually building islands um, out in the ocean now um, as and building military bases on them. And they're using this as to expand out into the ocean. Um, and supposedly as well, trying to cut trade to from Taiwan or trying to expand close to the Philippines or stuff like that. So it's sort of this, this game of chess, right? But it's like, yes, the, the tactics might be the like, you know, the violence, but the strategy that is sort of like slowly unfolding can be perceived as sort of a strangling effect when you're sort of trying to isolate nations. Um, at least that's my yeah. view. And it's, I mean, it's, it's similar to the argument, which I really hate, and I, don't, I hate that I'm making this argument, but it's kind of similar to how some people claim that like speech leads to violence. It's a little bit like that where there's, there is this kind of point where if you do enough maneuvering, it does automatically cause like a violent situation in another country. Um, and maybe that's, sure. maybe it's a really bad comparison I'm making, but I, I think there's definitely a link there between, you know, most wars are not fought over actual military these days. Like it's more about threats and maneuvering, um, which I think Russia's just kind of like, just like doing old fashioned war. 
And I think the rest of the world yeah. sort of doing this smart geopolitical maneuvering. And um, I don't know. It's um, it's so complicated because the, the, the war between the US and um, China, just like the Cold War, will end up being this invisible kind of maneuvering that we don't really see what's going on. Um, but it's happening like crazy. I mean, I came back from um, Bolivia last last month. I was exploring in South America. And you can kind of see this unraveling there. Um, and you can also see it in Africa with how China are like basically um, trying to take over these states by putting the countries in debt um, and sort of like making big loans. So in, in China, for instance, if you go on, um, sorry, in Africa, the loss of their trains and their embassies are all built by China. Um, and the same in like South America, loss of like in Bolivia, loss of the roads are built by Chinese companies and Chinese investment. Um, and lots of the resources in those countries are now being taken over by Chinese companies. Um, so sort of a strategy of like, you know, like in, for instance, in Bolivia, there's all these, um, these salt, uh, lithium mines. So it's a bit like if China takes control of the lithium supplies in South America, that means the United States, um, will struggle to get electric car batteries or struggle with their technological innovation because the prices are higher because China's sort of controlling the supply. So it's sort of this like way in which they're not like you can do something that doesn't directly harm someone, but like the consequences of the country's action will lead to, you know, a worse life in, in North America, potentially or worse life in China. And it's like this big political maneuvering thing. And I don't, I don't know who's going to win or where it stands. I saw this guy on Joe Rogan that had quite an interesting perspective, but I don't know. It's very complicated. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could you could go go crazy thinking about this stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, like um, how much how much inf like you know how much impact uh, can can the individual have? Probably zero. But maybe just being aware is good, right? Or, or you know, keeping your you know ear to the ear to the ground. Yeah, I think it's more important to like maybe know about know that humans are capable of these things rather than. Like following the latest news because sometimes you get really caught up in this stuff it can uh i mean i have friends that just watch the news just 24 7 it's just like can be pretty pretty addictive right mm -hmm. how's your chest these days talking about strategy and all this stuff uh no, this is too heavy let's go back to <laughs> um so so since we played last week i started grinding again um, because I kind of like stopped playing for a while. I'm gonna blow it back up to 2100. Um, I want I want to try and get all my ratings up back to 2200, and then just quit again, so I could uh, you know, leave on a high note. And yeah, I'm not I'm not doing any studying or any puzzles. I just do not feel feel up to it. Yeah, inspired as they said. Yeah, I'm kind of in a similar situation. I, I kind of need to find a new game that's like addictive. Like, I've been playing like some story-based games and some RPGs and stuff like that. Like when I have some time, um, but I need something that's sort of like kind of fun but not too addictive. The sort of like repetitive, like a skill. Mm. You know, I thought about getting back into poker, but it's sort of like too too. Okay, I'm, I'm, me. Yeah, don't get the poker, but I I do really like poker. Um, I was living in Las Vegas, so I was I was in the casinos all the time. That was a lot of fun. 
Oh yeah, but you should check out. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you two games. I think I have I, I might have a few that you you'd enjoy. Oh really? Well, like really mobile games or like browser games or? No, no, uh, Steam games. Um, there's a genre called psychedelic shooters. Um, it's actually, it's pretty fun. Like, like it's it's really weird. It's a bit wacky, but um, but it's like these shooter games with these crazy visuals. Like the, the screen is kind of like melting off. Um, it makes it harder to like see the bad guys, but it's it's really fun. Like there's one called Post Void that I really like, and then um, oh that's sick. Yeah, I'll. Yeah, yeah, I'll send it to you. I think that... Well, I didn't know... You... Oh, sorry, go for it. I was just to say, I think so many games don't take advantage of the fact that psychedelic drugs exist. Like, the, the gameplay could be really awesome if games are more open to that. Yeah. They, uh, they got you hot before you played. <laughs> you make most games better. <laughs> That's a good question. Like, oh, this is sick. I'm just watching it now. This looks like Doom. Yeah, it's similar to Dim. Um, except there's reloading in it. I don't think there was any reloading in Dim. Nine. But it is it is some it is similar to Dim in the fact that every time you kill an enemy, um you gain a little bit of uh time on your clock when the clock runs out you die. Although I haven't played Doom in a very long time. Is that how Doom works? I can't remember. I think so. I, I get it mixed up with yeah, that I think it... Duke Nukem. Oh, I've never played Duke Nukem. It's um, it's pretty ridiculous. I I I played the Duke Nukem 3D first. It was like one of the worst games of all time. Um, oh no, just horrendous. But like um, very offensive. I can't even talk about the stuff that's in that game. To be honest, it's like uh, we get taken off air immediately. Um, but then I went back and played the old ones, like a bit similar to Doom. Um, I think there's Quake as well. That game's yeah, yeah Quake. Oh my god, the the guy who made Quake is a freaking genius. He's like he's also the guy who um uh created uh basically VR or like Oculus. Um I'm, I'm trying to remember his name. I don't know. Oh John Carmack. John Carmack. Did you see recently that I think it's Microsoft. Is it just today released a new VR headset? Do you know about this? Microsoft, no. Um let me look that up. Let me check. It might not be Microsoft, but some some big company I saw in the news. Uh, uh, Apple. Apple. There you go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. This is it. Like, all the companies seem to be kind of reordering, like the tech companies, reordering to, to VR as like the next big thing. I mean, I've even been speaking to um, some people in chess that are thinking about doing chess VR, which I, I think is a, a weird idea, but... Like, um, well, they really have chess in VR, but hey, if, if, if like, uh, if they're serious, you know, reach out. Oh, yeah. And tell us about that because you, you're still in the whole VR space, right? Uh, but I mean, I just got my PC back, so I'm trying to get back into that. But yeah, I, I was messing around with, uh, making some VR games in Unity, and that was pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I'm pretty into VR, like, as, especially on like a concept level. Like, I, I think it's going to be, gonna be big like like 10 years but uh short term i'm not i'm not a huge believer i think there's a lot of big hurdles both with the hardware and with the um the uh i guess you'd call it the design sort of aspects of it mm. and what, what would you say the biggest challenges are to, to is it the realism or 
Um, it depends. Uh, like it depends. Like how you frame the question. What's the biggest, biggest obstacle for like market adoption for like just like selling headsets and playing games, or just like um, like usefulness. Like there's like a couple different ways. Like, like. I think um, the biggest hurdle for just, like, having something that, like, people will buy and use is the comfort. Like, uh, people don't want to strap a TV to their face. So, you know, they want something small and easy. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing, getting it small, getting it light. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, like, design or whatever, it's, like, um, it's, it's, like, they're trying to find the problem like they created the solution and now they're looking for the problems so like people aren't really sure why you need a vr headset yet um like there's only a couple sort of really use cases just things like drone flight um some small military applications um you know a bit of um they do some like visual therapy stuff some little bit of data visualization but 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 basically there isn't like a huge there isn't a huge demand yet. People don't really understand what what it might be uh, useful for. So I'd say the biggest the biggest uh, hurdle is uh, figuring out the why, right? Besides the, you know just being cool and being fun, like why is this super necessary? Yeah, that's so true. I mean, there, there's so there's so many things where we wait for like we think of all these really advanced reasons to use technology, but actually we're kind of waiting for just for first use case, um, especially for like a mass market. Because it's kind of like things need to make sense economically first. Like, can we sell yep. this to a lot of people? Um, do you think that, like, yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, but there's nothing that I would really think. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna need a VR headset for. Do you think it's gonna be like an entertainment product for the first one? Uh, well, yeah, it's already an, an entertainment product. I mean, so the, the there's a couple of good use cases. So those would be training, like, um. Especially like training for like physical locations that are hard to get to. So like training fighter pilots and VR headsets, training maybe deep sea scuba divers, um, people doing like repair on like, you know, maybe the size of skyscrapers, things where it's just like you want to do the training in a safe environment, but you kind of need to simulate a certain space um, that a low cost. So, so those are use cases where it's already needed, but you know, they're smaller niche, but, but, but they already are being used uh, pretty effectively. So, so training, um, is one use case that exists. Another is like, um, sort of things like, uh, like, um, warehouse management kind of stuff. So like sometimes you can, you can like map things to the, to the 3d world in a way that you just on the headset, you can see, you know, where all the wires are in the building, you know, you know, just a bunch of information, a bunch of useful information. So that could be helpful for like engineers, uh, architects, people like that, sort of the, the visual it visualization aspect so that also exists and it's being used to to some degree um but what i think it really takes off is when they're just cheap and easy to make right like everything else like if it costs 70 dollars to make a like a pair of vr glasses or ar glasses um and you could just sell it with a piece of ikea furniture and then you put them on it, it shows you how to make it um you know like that's instantly pretty pretty valuable so um yeah, I think the real value is going to be AR, the augmented reality, and it's going to be when we are able to map things onto the physical world in a way that, like, uh, you know, that, like, uh, 
we can just kind of, you know, augment reality. Like, like everyone has one of those, uh, what are the HUDs? Like, you know, everyone just has like a, you know, on the little side of their screen, it might say like, um, you know, like, like, we're trying to think of a good example. Like, uh, like GPS, right? You instead of having a GPS on your phone, you have it mapped on the physical road, things like that. Like, I think that, that sort of thing could be really useful. And I think people would adapt it pretty quick if it was cheap and easy and, you know, low effort. Oh, dude, if I, if I can, you had an app that was like, or some, you know, VR goggles just to set up, uh, stuff you buy from Ikea. I think I'd go to Ikea every day just to play the fucking game. I think it'd be more fun yeah, yeah. than anything. It's like, uh, imagine that, just playing Ikea. Like, uh, the latest game is yeah. just Ikea. Like, forget Call of Duty. Um, but yeah, there's so many useful stuff like that, like, um, or even trying on clothes, like, before you buy them. Like, if you could just, like, put on VR goggles and then just customize, like, everything. Um, right. Well, also, maybe with surgery, right? You can maybe practice surgery or even yep. see what you might look like before having surgery. Or um, There's so many use cases. But um, yeah, it's kind of like, I feel that VR right now is is falling in with like, you know, kind of like 3D televisions. Like at one point, everyone wanted one. It's yeah. like, you know, oh, this is the next big thing. Everyone's going to watch t television in 3D. And then it kind of just died off. And I think the that's at least how I view VR like right now but like you said in like 10 years we might be in a really different situation well, well, well I think like this I think I'm, I'm more optimistic than you because I don't think it's ever going to drop off like I think it's only going to grow so right now there's already you know a couple million VR headsets sold uh, they're being used there's some pretty big like uh, fan bases of certain games uh, you know like um, VR chat um, you know virtual concerts things like that and I think all those communities are only going to grow so I'm pretty optimistic. Like, I don't think, I don't think people are going to like just drop off. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe like for a time people will play less and less, but I think on like 3d TVs, like there is, um, there is a core experience that is like really attractive to people. Um, and I think especially if you try VR, like, uh, you can see that pretty quick that there is, um, that it isn't like anything else. And so the better that gets and, um, the the more um the more seamless everything is like i i only think it's going to grow right so i don't think it's like i don't think we hit a magical point we figure out some problem and suddenly it's popular i think it's going to grow grow and grow popularity and then eventually it's just going to hit hit a pinnacle or you know breaking point so, yeah. so i'm somewhat optimistic i think it like in society they're they're kind of proving that the top the most technologically advanced people in society, you know, the first world that have access to this kind of technology, you know, are able to spend a huge amount of time just in VR or in a virtual world. And I think that maybe the elites are kind of thinking, oh yeah, if this, if we can get like a person in the first world spending a significant amount of their time in digital spaces, we know if we do the same setup of society, we can also get other people into the same system. Um, and kind of viewing people as the, you know, the more people they convert into someone who's living in a digital space, or at least spending significant time in one, it's just more people to kind of monetize. Um, I think that like, potentially that's something that people like Zuckerberg are kind of thinking about. Um, I know there's this stat the same that we're spending, I think over 35% of our time in a digital space, um, like online and using technology 
which is really crazy because we're sleeping for like 50% of our lives and then we're throwing away, you know, 35% online and then the rest is like, you know, stuff just to maintain your life and your body, like eating, you know what I mean? So it's like the actual time we have in the real world um, is minuscule now and what we count as the real world is often living in a city because, you know, over 80 or 90% of the planet are stuffed into cities. So it's sort of like, I feel that they're absolutely betting on this and it's like an arms race, but with artificial intelligence and a virtual reality and how to combine all these things together into sort of some ultimate platform, um, probably something that resembles like the new internet, you know? Um, but it is kind of scary to, to me that like, I mean, Facebook took a massive plunge when they rebranded to Meta, but I think that, you know, Zuckerberg is seeing this, Apple are uh, definitely seeing this because they're releasing this. Um, what do you think the consequences are of this kind of movement? How do you kind of see humanity in like, 20 years? Well, well, first off, I don't think any of this stuff is going to seem like massive adoption over a short amount of time by um, people, you know, 20 and up. I think really what, what what's going to happen is, is you're going to get a generation of people who are like, more VR native, more like they, they grew up playing VR games maybe from the age of eight. Um, and uh, who just kind of, who who like the way we uh, use our phone very naturally and instinctively, that's how they're going to use VR. Um, and I think that the rest of us are never going to really be that plugged in um, because it's just not how our brains developed. And I don't think most people... Um, are going to want to screenshot their face for, for that much time. But I think maybe the genera the younger generation will. Um, but how it will affect things like on a global scale, that's that's really hard to say. Um, I think like this, like I, I'm somewhat optimistic in the fact that we know social media is bad. We know, you know, we know, um, you know, all this digital stuff has a, has a real real impact and i i feel like we're we're we're, we're gonna have that we're gonna have we're gonna hit a, a tipping point at some at some stage where where things scale back and like it, it can't keep accelerating um to the point where we're all couch potatoes so i i'm gonna be realistic that maybe in 20 years we have a healthier relationship with technology um where we see it as a drug and we prescribe it in healthy doses and we are much more aware as a society about overuse, um, both like individuals are aware of it, families are aware of it, schools are aware of it, and so like everyone's kind of uh, making sure that that uh, that we have some real uh, life. And I think it's also the best interest of the tech companies, right? Because they need a sustainable model, a sustainable user base, and they can't have everyone just falling completely into this rabbit hole and not working and not producing, and you know being depressed and malnourished and uh, so i feel like there's gotta be a push from every direction to reach a healthier state um so i'm not i'm really optimistic i think that like we're gonna we're gonna have to do have a healthier healthier way of interacting with this with this digital medium or i mean what society collapses like uh, you know so that's my hope but but what do you think i think that like um i agree with you i think that generally things are gonna we're going to have to fight back against this at some point and there is going to be kind of a counter movement and that it will kind of naturally balance itself out um like similar to how our predictions in the 80s you know with like 
Back to the Future and stuff. So like we're going to have flying cars. And that's turned out so differently compared to what we have now. So I do think some of our predictions are just going to be a bit off the wall. But it's almost like, you know, we, we speak so much about like very few people in the world, like Joe Biden or Donald Trump or Vladimir Putin or Kanye West or Beyonce or whatever it is. Like we're always focused towards like a very small part of society um, in terms of our attention. So sometimes things can look way out of proportion um, because m majority of the world like are probably not even spending that much time on their phones because they're too busy living their life. It's only us in the West who kind of have this absolute obsession with like, um, you know, with, with stuff like TikTok and stuff like that. Like I'm not, I mean, it is changing, like definitely in some, in, in lots of countries, these are taking off as well. But I don't know, I think our situation is, is different. Um, but saying that, I do think that this is something that could affect a very small group of people, like let's say the 1% or the 10% um, that are addicted to technology, it could affect them quite a lot. Um, so definitely, I don't think there's going to be like worldwide, like everyone's plugged into a system. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised, similar to how we were saying on the last conversation, that it's like maybe one group that's like, you know, fully living in the system um, while the rest of humanity is sort of not plugged in, you know? Um, sorry, let's. Yeah, I, I think. No, I think, I think, I think, I think you're right. I think that's. That's more likely, where it's like the, the most extreme cases will get far, far worse in the in the short term, and those also will happen to be like economically elite, like people who can be spending all this time and who have access, uh, and no one get worse for sure. Um, I have no doubt about that. Um, but but then again, you know, these companies are focused on mass adoption, so even if it's just in the West, I think I think uh, once the problem is. Um, widespread enough and it's uh, so visible I think at, at some point it's going to have to be addressed at least that's, that's my thinking but yeah, who knows right like you said it's impossible to really predict how things shake out I mean we, there could be nuclear war next year so like let's hope not it's all just a lot of speculation yep. Yep. yeah for sure I think there'd definitely be a point where like a child won't be able to tell the difference between what's technology and what's real life as well, which should, and we're sort yes. of seeing this now with deep fakes, right? Where it's so hard to tell like what's real or not. Um, even people who are like, I saw this on TikTok, like people they're starting businesses, um, and their business is to basically fake being a celebrity and then make content as for celebrity um, and post it online and get like millions of views. So there's this one account that's like literally like fake Andrew Tate or something. Um, and they're just pretending to be Andrew Tate and like making like fake audio, fake pictures, fake everything. And they're actually oh, yeah. getting quite a bit of money off of it. And it's sort of like, you know, I think there will be some point where, yes, we will understand the dangers of technology, but we also lose the sense of reality in itself, um, which could be really scary if you think about it. Um, because if we don't understand what reality is, it's sort of it can drift and we don't even remember what normal was in the first place you know what i mean so um yeah yeah definitely i mean like there's a future right where 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 everything is completely whitewashed by technology including history including science including where, where, where alternative versions can be spun up so so quickly and so easily that like everything is completely indistinguishable um like even like um you know, like events, um, facts, like, 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 
like there's definitely that thread right especially the more like you know atomized people get and like disconnect from other humans like as long as they're interfacing through through technology like there there could be a lot of of uh yeah nefarious actors or whatever um i was just thinking of maybe like a, just another money making scheme you could you could start a cameo you know as as a celebrity oh yeah uh, that, that. Know what make and just yes yeah, start cashing in yeah, we could just change our voices. So I'm I'm like Will Smith. I have like a Will Smith plug-in on my mic. Uh, and, and you're someone else. And, and we just like sit here talking. And even though that even if we're honest, but we're not Will Smith and we're not this person, people might just listen because they like the voices. You know what I mean? Like, people, you know, there will be people that just decide they don't like their voice or they don't like their accent. Or they wake up one day yeah. and they're like, you know, I don't want to be Chinese anymore. Um, I want to. I want to be fluent in French, and I put some weird French monitor on, and suddenly they're fluent. I saw, I saw this one guy. Um, it's hilarious. He he said this uh, guy in China, and he was like broke. Everything was going bad in his life, and he decided one day just to like buy a wig, and he just buys a wig, and he just dresses up as a woman, and he like starts um like a Twitter account and all these different things, and he makes like an OnlyFans, and then he like scams. Well, he's not even scamming, really. I mean, the, the guys are enjoying the pictures. But he makes all these pictures. And he gets like $2 million or something. Like in a month. Yes, like living hilarious. living as like this little Chinese girl. When actually he's he's this old guy. He's like in almost 60 years old. And he's just... Um, Jesus. He done it with like um, one of those... You know in like Snapchat or all that bullshit where you can change your face? Um, yeah, yeah. That's filters. Yeah, the filters. Yeah, he used filters... Photoshop and some other stuff and he got like majorly rich um, so it's weird like nowadays when you look at something like especially on on shorts like on I'm just I keep saying TikTok but you know I don't watch TikTok too much but um, I often get it on YouTube on YouTube shorts and it's like filtered down from TikTok anyway but it's hard to tell even if you're watching a real human sometimes like you're like is this a human or is it some projection like because sometimes it's they edit like some kind of like filter or projection on top of a human to kind of make make it look really strange and it kind of blurs the reality of of what you're looking at um and i wouldn't be surprised at some point like this kind of technology of voice generation we could probably generate like an unlimited amount of podcasts publish them all and then use artificial intelligence to like select from them you know once we have an artificial intelligence that like matches human preference i mean if you have an artificial intelligence for somehow matched the human preference of the richest human beings on earth you could create like a tool that like specifically targets like a certain group especially with google data facebook data and you can make like perfect products for people you know like custom designed especially for one person and i mean in a yep. world like this and let's say nobody's working because all jobs have been replaced by computers what even is the point like do we do we have like a point system like uh, for attention you know, it's like if you take if you take someone's attention, you somehow get money. Like it, you know, in this kind of strange world where everything's ran by computers or manipulated by computers, our very sense of value itself or what it means to be human is completely lost in the process. Like um, I have no idea what's going to be happening at that point. No idea. Mental. Yeah. No, it is. It is. Yeah. And but uh. It's exciting. It's also exciting just at at a morbid curiosity, you know. You know, we luckily we'll be able to see, you know, some of this 
some of these changes, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully they won't be like too, too evil, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really so excited. I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, me too. It's sort of like, you know, this would sound like a sci-fi plot or something, but then we realize it's actually what we're living in right now. Um, and we can also take part in it if we want to, like we can start making artificial intelligence and altering things ourselves. And that's really weird. It's a bit like we've, uh, been given the keys to be God or something crazy like that. Like, it's, yeah, um, it's scary stuff. I actually have a company. I have a friend that works in a, in a company, an artificial intelligence company. He only told me like, um, like last month, I think, or a few weeks ago, I can send it to you and you can check it out. Uh, maybe you, you're interested. Um, it's what you were saying about the um, the mixture between uh, like government training and virtual reality, something like that. I can't remember the name of it. I'll send it to you later. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I can pass it on. Um, so, what's your plans this week? Anything cool happening? Um, going on this week. Um, not much. Teaching chess. Um, looking for apartments. Nothing too crazy. What about you? You got any plans? I've got to really attack French and like learn the language. Like, uh, it's, uh, I spent like this last week studying a little bit, but this week I need to go like a hundred percent. Um, just cause I'm getting some business connections in France and, um, I'm living in France as well. So, I mean, I have to communicate with people. I can't just be some weird English hermit. Um, even though like, I think like 70% of the people here speak English, but you just you just can't bond people with people the right way if you don't speak the language. So um, I've got I've been listening to the Harry Potter books and also reading them book in French, and it's um, it's very difficult. I've been going a little bit crazy. So that's my main mission for this week, along as long with uh, maintaining some of my work projects. But yeah, that's it. So maybe this time next week I'll be presenting the podcast in French. Who knows? Weird, we make do it. Yeah. Have you tried to learn a, a foreign language before? Uh, I'll go through all the phrases. I, mean, I took sixth grade in French, so I'll see what else. That's impressive that you remember. Uh, yeah, I, I remember a bunch more. And no, um, I learned I learned the Hebrew. Tell myself that. Um, my yeah. Hebrew is not amazing, but I can um ask for the bathroom, you know, get on the train. So that's all you need. That's enough. I I I know some German. The German's really tricky. Um, but that's fun. I mean, the good thing about Spanish and French, um, is that it just has the Latin, so you you can just find words much easier. Um, cause it just has more similarities with English. Although English is a Germanic language, so you, you'd think you could find the similarities, but it's sometimes a little bit difficult. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. So that's my mission for this week. Um, and in Splinter, we got some new members as well. So we're slowly expanding in Splinter, um, which is nice. We've got these new QR codes. Did you see them? Yeah, I read for sure. I was gonna, gonna send them to uh, some people or, or post those up. Yeah, I need to. I need to put in my local gyms in the area. Some different different spots. Um, but yeah, if you're watching, you can join the server. I've been posting the the server link in the 
description. I keep saying watching, but nobody's watching. People are listening. This is like, uh, this is, I'm revealing that my background in YouTube here. Gotta, gotta change. Uh, yeah. But should we, but I'd be watching their screen, just, just staring. I could, yeah. That'd be a weird way to watch a, watch a podcast. Actually, I do, what do you do when you watch podcasts? You like go for a walk? Um, this is, this is bad. I don't really listen to that many podcasts. So the only podcast I listen to is occasionally Lex Friedman, if he has somebody on that I like. Yeah. But, and then I'll either be like walking around, um, like doing chores, making food. But uh, I'm not a huge podcast person. Uh, um, I, I, I used to, I used to listen to a lot. Uh, I used to listen to a lot of Joe Rogan, Theo Vaughn, those kind of guys. Um, I, I, I used to, I honestly, since I stopped playing video games, that's when I stopped listening to podcasts because I think I used to put it on the background when I played games. Oh yeah. But yeah, not, not, not as much these days. Yeah. I kind of swapped out podcasts for audio books, um, which were, which are always quite interesting. Um, I kind of feel more of a sense of complete completement when I finish an audiobook. Um, but I don't know. I'm going to listen to more podcasts because there's so much um, like really new information that you can get from them. But I think you do have to be selective. Like you can't just listen to any show. Um, but the competition of podcasts is so so high. Um, but I did see this one status like I mean, 95 percent or something crazy of podcasts like end before episode 20. So I think if we if we get to episode 20 oh, we'll with Splinter, oh, yeah, we're going to crush it. I think we're going to have hundreds of episodes if we're, if we're just consistent. Um, I'm happy yeah. for the show to evolve as well. Like I think the, the, the key thing is we just post every week, even if sometimes it's just bullshit. Like, well, it's not bullshit, but you know, it's not, it's not like the highest production, but as long as we keep sure. it forward, I think that's, that's the key thing. So, um, yeah, it's a, we're, we would be having conversations anyways. So we're just, you know, <laughs> Recording it and publishing it, but hopefully we get to a point where what we're the subjects we're talking about are a little more researched, a little more like maybe useful and interesting to a general audience. Um, but I think now we're just sort of getting working out the chemistry, working on you know just getting in the movements, and then we'll improve as we go. Yeah, I think what I learned this time is I think that as soon as we call, like the minute we say hi, we should just start filming because I think the that's yep. where we. Because we got in, like we were talking before the show, and we got into like a really good groove just kind of talking. But then we kind of stopped and started and stuff. But I think that you and me have a capability. Like, it's so funny. We say hi. So I'm like, hey, how's it going? We talk for like three minutes, sometimes even less. And then it's just like, boom, like into quantum physics or some crazy like geopolitical or philosophical or religious shit. Like, it's, it's always really yeah. nice speaking to you. So, um, yeah, we, we should do more of these. And, um, and yeah, because we talk anyway. And like you say, like, I, I realized this recently. I'm like, I'm going through life doing things, but if I just film some of them and it will just record it or documented things a little bit more and then put it out there as content, you can kind of like monetize things and, but well, not monetize in a, like a, a, an economic way, but I mean, you can make use of it in, in a wider sense of it just being in your life, but it also being in other people's lives as well, um, if they so choose. So it's like, um, yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying this. So let's keep going and see where this ends. Definitely. Cool. Should we end it there? Uh, yeah, yeah Drew. Yeah, see you guys uh, next time. If anyone listened to the end, thank you. Yeah. It's probably just Ryder, but you know, if anyone else made it, you know, good on you.
And uh, see you in the next one. Yeah, I'll see you guys in the next one. Bye.